0: This is the greatest day, you guys. Um, If you're visiting today, you are really lucky to be with me. Um, So good to be here. um, At 7 o'clock this morning, my granddaughter was born. Um, So a lot of you you know uh, Cam and Lindy. Uh, Cam Cam was youth director here for a lot of years. Lindy teaches Insights and um, she texted us at 6.30, and I was getting ready to come over here for the early morning rehearsal, and like, hey, just be ready to come get CK and Marguerite, and Paul's like, well, Steve's speaking Orion this morning, but I'll come over and get him, you just let me know, and about an hour later, we got the news that the baby had been born somewhere in the house. She's had two contractions, and out came this nine-pound, nine five-ounce baby, baby girl. Is that not amazing? And do you have a picture of the family? So, is there? So, literally, with, with the five minutes after she was born with the vernix all over her face, the, you know, and uh, that's my daughter five minutes after giving birth. Is that crazy? So, wow, what a day! Woo! And what is so cool about today is in this series, of teaching this series, we're calling The Blessed Life. Because for me, and as I was just texting Dave Wilson earlier, when we look back at our lives, we just, we're like, are you kidding me? Like just the, the, the fulfillment of dreams that God put in our hearts decades ago, and, and, and the love and the friendship, and you, and being in life with people is such an unbelievable privilege. And uh, now having two granddaughters to go with four grandsons, how could it be better than that? And so, we're in this series with uh, the the book based on, uh, the series based on Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life, and for me though, this, some of you that know me well, as I was doing this series and was looking through the sermon notes for all six weeks as I'm speaking it all, all over, I'm like at every campus during this series, is for me the subtitle of this series became a tribute to Chubb and Marge Andrews. That's what this series is. This is... What, what, we're, what Dave taught last week and what I'm going to teach today about the tithe and about generosity and what we're going to go through this series is literally how I watched my mom and dad live their whole life. And I'm going to, I'll do a little tribute to them in a minute. And my mom is still living at 94, so it's fun that she's still sharing this. I just called her to tell her, talk about the blessed life. I said, said Mom, uh, your 77th great-grandchild was just born this morning. So think about her life and the way she's lived, and the incredible generosity and movement of her life. Oh, this, this is bonus. I called her up this week. She goes, Steve, I don't have time to talk. I'm like, where are you going? My mom's 94 years old. And I made, her, I made her stop driving at 91. She's still ticked off about that. But she took out two granddaughters' mailboxes without knowing it. We decided it's time for you to stop driving. And so she's still mad about it, and she blames it on me, her youngest. But she said, I don't have time to talk. I'm like, why? She says, I'm I'm speaking to 300 women at a Bible conference this afternoon. So this is what I'm talking about. This is the way we were meant to live, full tilt, right to the end. And so as we look at this, I love this fact that the blessed life is something that we're all invited to do. And this is going to be so encouraging for you today. Dave talked about last week, this Matthew 621 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, no one will argue that today. You know where your treasure is. It's what you think about. It's what you lay awake at night worrying about. It's where you put your energy. It's what fills your calendar. It it is represented in your checkbook. It's, 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 It's based on the way you invest in other people. You can't hide your heart. Their treasure... My mom and dad. The way that Dave and Ann, have watched, if we're just going to talk about the way they've lived their life since the day I met them, their treasure was Jesus and people every step of the way. And everything in their life was built around those two things. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, I, think, I think y'all had this at this campus. Paul said, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so today, that could not be more appropriate. And I want to say something. Once in a while, someone will come up to me and say, boy, thank you for your sacrifice. And I just want to go, I, ha- I didn't sacrifice anything. If there was anything that I did, God, God has repaid me 10,000 times over. In fact, by life verses, Matthew nineteen twenty nine, Jesus said, "Everyone who's left houses and land, mother and father, sister and brothers, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life." I, only thing I would say is it's way too small. Like Jesus downplayed that way too much. Hundred times, not even. I I, I can count a hundred times in a single day. I was just in Kenya, and went to a well that was built by the generosity of people of Kensington and talked to the principal. It was, it, was, it was early in the morning, and the sun was shining. It was, it was a place in, in West Pokot that was a little more verdant. And all of these kids, all of these Pokot kids were running to class. They had the beautiful school uniforms that were clean, crystal clean. They're all shining in the morning sun. And you, you got to remember, this is northern Kenya. This is the birthplace of the greatest runners in the world. And every one of these kids that's running it looks like they could, like, they're going to probably win the gold medal someday. They're probably going to win the gold medal. And there were these two young, young kids, these two boys are about six years old, and they were just running, and they were really coming close to me, and I went, and they, you should have seen these guys take off. And boom, just like out of a, I thought I wish I'd gotten their names because someday I'll be reading about them in national news because they're so fast. But I remember thinking to myself, am, am I in heaven? Like laughter and joy water and all this stuff. And the principal comes down. And I said, said what's, hap- what's happening here? He says, well, before the well, there were 60 students here. And twice a day, they would walk three miles in one direction and come back the, the other direction. And they'd have to go out again for water again in the afternoon. They'd have to walk 12 miles a day for water about eight months out of the year. He said, he said now we don't have 60 students. We have 320 students. Since the well has gone in. And the test scores have gone up on average by 50%. So now it's a world-class Kenyan school in the middle of nowhere. He said there are also twelve hundred people from this community that get their water here every day. And I turned to one of the guys who was with me who had really invested in wells, and I said, Listen, man, this, this is a thousand times investment. This is Matthew 1929. Only more so. On one morning, one well. This is what a life of generosity looks like. So as I talk to you today, I'm going to give you a test. I'm going to talk about what generosity looks like. And what I want you to know is the things that I'm sharing with you are immutable. They don't change. Like you can fight me on them. You can, you can press. But what you prioritize becomes your life. That's it. You just you can't stop it. And the blessed life is when you prioritize Jesus and people, and the open-handedness of your life. And when you do that, your life cannot be stopped. I don't care what hardship comes, Jesus is at the center of that. So that's a perfect time to take our offering. Usher, you can come down and do that. If you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here. This is an amazing community in which I still shake my head. As We were singing, what was the, the resurrection song we were just doing, that second song we did? I think we're going to do that at Easter, unbelievable, so beautiful, I love that. So ushers, you can come down and do that, if you're visiting, you can let this go by. We would love to connect you in life, and I also want to thank all of you that are giving faithfully to Kensington, it means so much, thank you very much for that. So today is a day that I'm going to give you this test, and I want you to not feel like in any way I'm shaming you, I'm not being judgmental, I'm simply describing reality, Okay? And, you, and I'm old enough now, you can take it or leave it, doesn't matter to me. I'm secure in my identity, I've seen God's faithfulness for 63 and a half years of life. And, and, I, and I just saw it this morning in Janie Lynn Underdown, okay, God's moving. So but what I'm going to tell you is what I dream for you is your best life. So if I'm looking at you, my dream for you is that you'd live your best life, right, That Jesus intended you to live your best life. Not some halfway life where you're just going through the motions, you check checking the boxes. No, I mean, be alive. That same day that we we saw the well and the school, that very same day we drove on the worst roads I've ever been on, on West Pocot. We got to a river. It was rainy season. The river was raging with ankle-deep water. So I risked my life wading across this ankle-deep river, and then walk two miles to a church in the middle of nowhere with this young pastor named John. And he goes, there's a village five kilometers that way, and we're going to start a church there. And we're going to start, a, it's like 50 people. And we're going to start a church northeast of here. And we've got, and over here east, right at the foot of these mountains, there's still leopards in these hills. And they come down and they eat the livestock. And we're going to start a church there. And I, and I thought, I'm, I'm living my best life. I'm living a life that is absolutely filled with the richest, Imaginal, and you guys are living it with me, so I'm so grateful for that. So the test today is real, and I hate the word test because you could summarize my whole academic career could be summarized in one sentence. What did she say? <laughs> you know, when you're ADHD, school is a terror. It's just school's terrible, and so. But this test is a generosity test, and I love it because it's enriched and transformed my life. From my first paycheck that I got when I was 21 and a beginning youth director at Ward Presbyterian Church in Livonia, Michigan, making a whopping $8,700 a year. Amazing. Because generosity isn't about God taking anything away from you. It's ultimately about you experiencing the giving nature of God or what we called last week and this week the blessed zone. Because there is a zone and it's, and it's real. And, and so, if some of you, you're going to need to think about a change of direction today or a change of lifestyle. I'm going to illustrate it from my own life, and Dave is going to, I've got Dave on screen for a couple of minutes at the end. But look at what uh, Malachi 3 says. We actually, when we were kids, we were taught that uh, it was actually uh, the Italian prophet, Malachi. <laughs> but that's actually just a really stupid joke. Uh, if you're from a church background, you've probably heard that before. But Malachi, God is saying something about. You're not living your best life, but I want you to. So here's what he says. I, the Lord, do not change. I'm immutable. So you, the descendants of Jacob, remember Jacob's new name became Israel, the nation of Israel. The descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. They were in a really bad situation. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Now, most of you that haven't studied the Old Testament, here's what you need to know about the people of Israel they were rebellious. They weren't rebellious just for a week or for a year or for a decade or for a century. They were rebellious century after century after century. They never wanted to do what God wanted them to do. They were just like, in your face, I'm not interested. And so eventually, God would let them suffer in some way in hopes that they would return for the purpose of them returning. So he goes on to say, you've turned away and not kept. He says, return to me And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? That's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about first things first. How do you return to God when you've wandered off? In the context of an affluent world that we live in, although after this last week we're not so affluent, some of you. It's not funny, is it? Yeah, no, no one's even laughing. What is our constant temptation in wandering? It's to wander away from the generous life. This is the life you were meant to live. This is where you pour out your life for people. Have you ever felt like things between you and God change? or you are thinking, my life just feels empty? It feels like there's no meaning or purpose to my life? That's what the Israelites were struggling with. And part of it is, because they had moved away from the way that they were created to be. We were not made to just be receivers. We were made to be givers. Malachi goes on to say, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Okay, If you're not from a, from a religious background, tithe is simply a tenth. It was, the, it was always the giving of the first 10% of what you had earned or what you had farmed or the fruit or, or, the, or, or of your labor. He says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. He says, all of you are not living your best life. And what did to say about the curse? The curse here is not a voodoo charm. It's not like God has, has a little doll image of you and he's poking you with pins and needles because you're not living a generous life. That's not it. What he's saying is, you were created to live generously. And if you don't live generously, nothing in life's gonna make sense. You're just gonna get caught up Yourself. I'll prove it to you. A refusal to tithe was not only the path on which they had wandered off, but God said, He used a really strong word. This word, rob, it's the Hebrew word, is where we actually get our word to embezzle from. It's a great word, isn't it? Whoever came up with that. And so some of us who profess to love and follow God are embezzling from Him if we ignore His instructions to tithe, to live generously. And for me, the tithe is always the beginning, never the end. And again, it's important you see this is God's idea. It's not mine. It's not Dave Wilson's. But here's, what I want to, here's where I want to prove it to you. If you don't put the first things first, your life doesn't work. Living example. For 30 years, I did not take care of my health. I had chronic back pain. I ate poorly. I was too heavy. I did not exercise. I had lost my strength. And as a result everything in my life was affected because I did not make it a priority to be healthy. Meanwhile, Dave Wilson's like, really irritating. And I'm kind of like, I got to the point 10 years ago where I told Paul, I said, I can barely walk up and down the I weighed 265 pounds. I could barely walk, my arthritis in my knees from college football was so bad I could barely walk up and down the steps of our house. I thought, what am I going to do? you know what changed me? My daughter who just gave birth today, in 2012, in the fall, they came to our house to have dinner, and they said, we have news for you. We're pregnant. And you know what my first thought was? I'm not even going to be able to get on the floor and play with my granddaughter. Like what a stupid idiot! And that was a day. It's like two weeks later, I signed up for Weight Watchers, which I had had a nudge to do 15 years, but I was too proud. I'm like, I'm not going to go meet with a bunch of losers. (laughs) Oh wait, that's the purpose. And I went from 265 pounds to 220 pounds. And it was all in the context of accountability because I put relationship with other people who were also trying to accomplish the same thing. And I've had an incredible uh, Marguerite, our first granddaughter, she'll turn seven next month. So I've had an incredible seven-year run because I put first things first. What God is saying here, when it comes to your life, if you don't prioritize him first, then your, your, your life is going to go sideways. So many of you are living proof that you tried your own way, your own journey in this. You've got to prioritize what's important. Where's your heart? Malachi goes on to say, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That, this was the temple, remember? This is the, the Old Testament. They were coming to the temple, that there may be food in my house. Test me, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I just want to stop right there and say, as Dave and I talk, that's the story of our life. I remember when Dave was teaching, the, before he started Kensington, Dave was teaching the Sunday School Faith Church with 20 young married couples, and we were in an accountability group. And I remember him going, man, he says, I, I really want to encourage marriages someday, coming from a broken home and doing this. And we're like, and now... 30, 34 years later, he, he's speaking to millions of people every weekday. You can't make that up. But you know what? But you know what? What was the, the other part? Dave never turned out a speaking opportunity. He made himself available, which is what my mom and dad did when they became believers years ago. My dad, we would literally get up at four o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning once or twice a month, and drive to some podunk place in Arkansas, Mississippi, or Tennessee, and dad would preach to 50 people. And the only payment was the potluck afterwards. And that's where all my eating problems started. (laughs) Dave Wilson did the same thing. He just made himself available. He kept living and giving of everything that he had. Uh, Now, he knows how to have fun. He's up with his family snowboarding this weekend. And he knows how to have fun as well as anybody I know. But but, but he's, he, he, they poured their lives out. That's where the riches of life come from. I also remember, Dave, in an accountability meeting, when the money had not come in, he was, he was raising support, working campus crusade staff, now known as crew, and he, barely had, he didn't have money to pay his bills that month. And we sat in my office, Faith Church, on 1000 West University, and he cried because he was so distraught about money. But all those years we were tithing and tithing and giving above, most, most years, double tithing. Because it's what it means to be alive. He goes, on so, so so much blessing, there's not enough room to store it. He says, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. Does that mean that's never going to happen? No, it's going to happen. You're going to have years like 2008. But it's still God's blessing is on your life. He says, then all nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So here's what I want you to know. Tithing is God created. It's just the way you were made. It's a test to evaluate where our heart is and if we need to make a shift. Robert Morris in his book says, tithing is not a law. It's life. It's the way way to live. And what's interesting is I thought some of you are going to turn this off today because you're going to think there's ulterior motives for Kensington. Listen, if you think that there's ulterior motives, give somewhere else. I don't care. God doesn't, God God wants you to experience what it means to be fully human, which is to pour your life out. Can you imagine if you're a parent in this room, if you would have said, man, I really regret all the years that I had to get up at 3 a.m. with my kids and rock them to sleep. Can you imagine someone who's in their 60s going, yeah, I really regret, I really, really regret loving my grandchildren. It's a huge, terrible decision. No, you never hear that because you were made to what? Say it out loud. Say it. You were made to give. This is what it means to be human. And God says, you were made to put me first. Robert Morris says, the first belongs to God. That's the whole point of today. You either believe it or you don't. The first belongs to God. We find this principle all through the Bible. We can give God the first of our time. We can give him the first of our finances. We can give him the first of our creativity. That's what tithing really is. It's giving our first to God. It's saying, God, I'm going to give to you first and trust you to redeem the rest. I've had literally hundreds of people through the years go, listen, I'm going to try this tithing thing. I'm going to take the tithe challenge. So what I'm going to do is at the end of my pay period, if I have have 10% left, I'm going to give it at the end of my pay period. So how's that working out for you? It doesn't. Even people make huge amounts of money. If you don't intentionally live in generosity, you're not going to do it. And so Robert Morris says, I'm going to give, you, I'm going to, give to you God, God first and trust you to, the, to redeem the rest. And it always requires faith to give the rest. Just listen to David a minute. I'm going to have him up in a minute because that was the big deal for him. The first portion is the portion that redeems the rest. And Robert Morris goes on, one last quote by him, he says, if God is first in your life, everything will come into order. If God is not first, nothing will come into order. I, told, I could not believe that more with all my being. I watch people try to work out their marriage, work out their lives. You try, try to do it without God at the center, without the love of Christ, without the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ flowing in your relationships, it doesn't work. Back to me on this illustration. So in 2012, I made a commitment to eat healthier, and to lose weight. I joined Weight Watchers. By the way, I started doing something. You, you, you got, ever want to impress people with how powerful you are? You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor of a large church. i really, you know, I've got a lot, of, a lot of credibility. People are really impressed with me. And so I carry my lunch bag with me everywhere I go. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm Steve Andrews. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's my lunch bag. It's got fruit and vegetables and almonds and walnuts. I'm a pretty powerful guy. Are you impressed? Yeah, no, you still say no. It's so dorky. Look at that. But if you want to lose weight, if you want to live healthy, if you don't intentionally make plans for what you're going to eat and you just go out to lunch, you know, in between work, you're you're doomed. This is so interesting. So, 2019, last year, January, I actually made it in December 2018. Dave Wilson's always inspired me on New Year's resolution. So 2019 said, I'm going to make a commitment to get healthier and stronger. So for the first time in my life, I got a physical trainer, Christine, over at Fitness 19, and she kicked my butt. She's an amazing person. If you ever want someone to really, really help you get stronger and healthier, and you say, well, Steve, you don't look that great. Well, you should have seen, me, should have seen the before picture. <laughs> uh, but what happened is summer came. I got busy with with, uh, mission trips, and I'm I'm traveling all over the globe for Kensington, and just incredible what I'm seeing Jesus do in the world. And all of a sudden, uh, I'm not carrying my bag, and I'm not exercising. And I just would say the first day that I worked out with Christine, it was so pathetic. I went home and told Paul, I'm like, if there's a 6'3", 225-pound man that's weaker than me on planet Earth, I'd like to meet them. And shake their hand. I mean, because I just I let myself go. Because if you don't put it first, it doesn't happen. So I got busy and I stopped working out with Christine in October, and I don't feel nearly as good as I did last year because I'm not putting first things first. But here's what I want you to know: I am spending about 20 hours a week with grandkids. So on the grandkid level, I'm kicking butt. I'm a 10. But the point is, you've got to figure out where your heart is. What what matters. And I want to say this specifically about your money. If you never release your money to God, you'll never be free. You just won't. Because money will have a hold on you like nothing else. And so I just realized as I was doing this, I I need to make a commitment to call Christine and get going again. Because she has a way of pushing me. There's there's accountability. She's a riot. She'd get excited and swear if I would do something good, you know, oh, sorry, 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 you know. But here's what I want you to think about. As I'm talking to you today, what if you said, Man, Andrews, you're being so pushy about generosity. You're kind of judgmental. You're kind of being legalistic about this. I don't need to prioritize or tithe my money to get stronger. I think, Man, you're so judgmental. What if if I'd have said that to somebody, to me, people in my life, that said, Dad, my kids came to me and said, Dad, we'd like you to get healthier and live longer. And be stronger. And what if I'd have said, what are you guys being so judgmental and legalistic about? Then I probably wouldn't be walking up and down the steps in my house. Are you going to be teachable to God and to other people in your life? Are you going to listen to Dave Wilson and Steve Andrews and say, yeah, those guys have been at it long enough. Andrews drives drives an 18-year-old car that's rusted out, and yet he's living a generous life. Why can't I? You can Because God's going to bless your life. I could have said this. I could have said about my health. I said, you know, God is so selfish. He could have created me in a way that I never needed exercise. Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he make Twinkies and Cold Stone Creamery essentials of personal health? (laughs) Because he had a better plan. Because he wanted us to be stronger. Robert Morris writes about this. He wrote the book, The Blessed Life. He says, in 35 years of ministry, every tither I've ever spoken with, person that gives the first 10% of their money to God, has given me a similar testimony. And over those 35 years, every non-tither has given me a similar testimony. Without exception, people who tithe say, I'm blessed, or God has blessed me. In contrast, every non-tither I've ever spoken with gives this testimony, I can't afford to tithe. It's just the way it is so do you want to be that way that's that's what got me thinking about and I want you to contrast what I'm going to say about my mom and dad and Dave Wilson because I'm going to to have him up in like two minutes when I was six years old I walked into my dad's office next to their bedroom in this beautiful old gray stone wall house Memphis Tennessee my dad's a general surgeon and my dad would go in there once a month and he'd write checks and he had the old raise your hand if you've ever seen one of those huge old check ledger ledger things raise your hand Okay, there's a lot of old people in this room. Um, he would invite me to sit on his lap. And I said, Dad, what are you doing? He says, Well, I'm writing the checks for the month. And he would be in there for for three hours, one night a week. And he'd do it, do it all. And I and I was six years old. So, well, he goes, Here's the first check I'm writing. First Evangelical Church, Memphis, Tennessee. I don't know. I don't know what the what he goes. 10%. He goes, look, here's the deposit. This is how much money I made this month. He was a general surgeon, so his, his income fluctuated. He goes, so, I, I don't know, let's say he made, made 3000 this month. Here's $300, first event. The next check, $200 to Young Life, which is a ministry to reach high school kids for Christ. The second one was, uh, th- these are missionaries. We, this is uh, the, the Livingstons who are missionaries in Italy. That's $100 a month there. And he would literally go down, and there would be about 15 checks. What I realized, and then I walked from the time I was six to the time I was 22 and finally moved away permanently, I looked at his checkbook ledger every year for 16 years, 16 or 17 years, and I do not remember a year, you listening, where he gave less than 50% of his income away for mom and dad, and he drove beater cars. He was a very prominent surgeon in Memphis, and all the, all the guys that did the parking at Baptist Hospital thought it was a hoot when Dr. Andrews would drive up with a spilled-over outboard motor in the back seat and some dead ducks in the back from duck hunting and old ratty, nasty car. And they just thought he was the greatest thing in the world. Here's what I want to say to you. My mom is still living. Would it surprise you if I told you they were the two happiest people I've ever known in my whole life? Think of all the people I know. I've never known two people happier. You know two people happier than Dave and Ann Wilson? Same story is true of them. You want to live a life that you are meant to live? Then open up your life. This is how God designed us to live. My dad ret- retired six months before we started Kensington in early 1990, and I came to him and said, "Dad, I want to start a church, and I want you to be the first person to give to it." And he had given so much money away; he didn't. His retirement was not good. He says, "Okay." So the first forty thousand dollars that started this church came from Chubby and Marge Andrews. That's you're here in part because of that gift. You're in part because they follow Christ. In 1968, I came home on the last day of sixth grade. Last, last story about them. Came home sixth grade, Dr. John Grayson of African Le Mission was in our living room and mom and dad said, Steve, we're going to Kenya for a year. Dad, dad needs to run the hospital there. They need a doctor. And totally turned my life upside down. My brother was a high school senior, first-team All-American coaches magazine in baseball and football, and he was All-Memphis in basketball with an All-Memphis team that included Larry Finch, Ronnie Robinson, and Johnny Newman, who still, still owns the NCAA scoring record, single season. He was amazing. My parents gave up his senior year, left him in Memphis. We went to Africa. Their first grandchild had just been born. He was six months old. They, they left their, their first grandchild for the year. We fought, people said, you're crazy, Chubby. You're going to lose your medical practice. Every penny that was spent that year came out of their savings. But my, It all came because my mom turned to my dad the year, about six months before that and said, Chubby, there's got to be more for us that God wants from our lives. In other words, don't, don't say that to each other because God's going to do something crazy. But you, you know what's interesting? If you, My mom is going to be here at Christmas. Some of you might see her. I'm, I don't know where I'm speaking. I mean, uh, at Easter, I don't know where I'm speaking. But she's coming up. And if you're saying, Marge, what was the best year of your life? What was the most amazing year of your life? No question. 1968. The year we lived in Kenyon, an 800-square-foot 800, 800 cement block house. I was almost killed by a leopard in the front yard, as God is my witness. Came around the corner. It was a 200-pound Mature male leopard in the dark, nine o'clock, at the front door, fifteen feet from me. I wrestled him to the ground, killed him with my bare hands. This kid, just a joke. <laughs> but that's where God planted the seed in my life. You're sitting in this room today, more than any other reason, because Marjorie and Chubb Andrews said yes to God in 1968, and people, every person in their life, said they were crazy. My dad's dad was dying, and we, I remember watching my dad kiss him goodbye at the gate when we were leaving Memphis, and he wept over his father because he didn't think he would ever see his father again. But he was following the way God had made all of us to live, which is an adventure with Jesus Christ. So I'm just telling you, the blessed life, there's nothing like it, even when it's super painful. By the way, my grandfather lived three more years after that. He took, God actually took care of that. One last thing, I don't ever remember a night in my home growing up when we did not have guests at our dinner table. Now, for those of you that are younger, this was back in the day when people cooked meals and then around about the time the sun would set or shortly thereafter, people would sit around a table, seriously, and they put food on the table and then they'd pass it around and people would talk and have conversation. And uh, if the phone rang, mom would, you know, let the phone ring. The phone was in the other room. (laughs) And it was a place of hospitality and blessed life. So here's what I've observed. The greatest and most adventurous and blessed way to live is the blessed life. Not even hard times can stop it. And I want to just give you one last illustration before I bring Dave up. Is tithing just an Old Testament thing? Is it like tithing in the storehouse? No. In every case, Jesus does something that's crazy. He ups the ante. Look at this screen. This is amazing. Okay, sorry, I missed that. Here we go. In the Old Testament, we said, don't murder. What does the New Testament say? Say it out loud. Don't hate. Wow, Jesus just took this command, and what did he do? Ups the ante, big time. He says, don't, 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 uh, don't commit adultery. That's terrible. It's hurtful. It hurts everybody. He says, no, don't even lust. Whew. Eye for an eye. I tell you, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He says, no, I tell you, do good to those who do evil to you. What is Jesus doing? He's upping the what? He's up in the standard. He's up in the end. He said, no, I want you to live way above that. The Old Testament, give a tenth. What does Jesus say? Basically, give everything. Give generously, extravagantly, intentionally. Because Jesus didn't tithe his life, didn't he? He didn't give 10% of his body and blood on the cross. He gave it all. And this is where God is working and doing amazing things. One last verse. It's so cool in the Old Testament where it talks about people finally beginning to give. So since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we've had enough to eat, plenty to spare, because the Lord has blessed his people, and this great amount is left over. We've never had it at Kensington, but I always wonder what it'd be like if we had a huge amount left over. What would we do with it? I mean, I have, have, we have so many incredible needs in the world, but I thought, what if all of us were just like, I'm gonna tithe because I'm honoring God and it's the way I'm made, but I'm also on mission, with a group of people that are giving their lives for Christ. What, is a, what better offer is out there? Is your I just don't, I just don't think there's a better offer. Because we as the church are his bride and his movement in the world. And someday every tribe and tongue and nation are going to stand before Christ. And we're going to be part of that. And a lot of those people there are going to come to know Christ through your faithfulness. So, what does Dave Wilson have to say about
1: I tell you, one of the scariest things I believe I've ever done in my life is to let go of some of my money and give it to God. I am not kidding. I grew up in a home that was somewhat poor, a single mom, didn't have a great income. And so money, my whole life, was something you held on to. You didn't really give it away because there wasn't much of it, and you had to make sure you took care of yourself and took care of the future. And yet, as I became a follower of Christ in college, it was one of the first times I learned that God says, Uh, to be generous and give your money back to him, that it's all his. And we get to keep most of it, but give some back. It's called the tithe. We've been talking about it in this series. It means a tenth or 10%. I'll tell you what, when Ann and I first got married and we decided as a young married couple, we were going to do the tithe. We were going to give God 10%. I got to be honest, I was scared to death. It's like, we don't make enough money to do that. That's for rich people. And yet we did. We did. And it was scary. And yet we said, okay, we're going to honor God. We're going to obey God in this area. And all I can tell you is 40 years later, God can be trusted. He's met our needs in miraculous ways. He's met our needs just barely. I'm just telling you, 40 years, every month, every week, every day, God has proven himself trustworthy, and it's been the most blessed life You can imagine there is a joy that you can't experience until you take that risk. You can hear other people talk about it. You can say, I want to do it. The second you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to test God. It's the only time God ever says, test me, is in this area. Test me and give generously and see if I don't take care of you. And I'm just one guy, but I'm telling you, take this journey. Take this adventure. You will discover what we've discovered. God will be faithful. I invite you, join the adventure. Let's go on a ride together. It's gonna change your life.
0: (laughs) What fun to have journeyed my whole adult life with him and uh, to see God's faithfulness and from coming from totally different worlds and families. God was preparing us to do this together with Mark and our wives and incredible people. And I want to say as I'm The whole time I'm giving this message, I'm looking out at people who just have been in this journey with me a long, long time. Some of you are newer, but some of you have been in this journey a long time, and it's just so fun to follow Christ together. Who knows what He's going to do next? You know, this last year we saw 379,000 people get the gospel of Jesus Christ somewhere in the world. That happened because a lot of you said we're going to we're going to live the way God made us to live. So, here's your action step: Um, take out your phone. And how many of you have the Kensington app? Most of you? Let me see. Do you have the Kensington app? A lot of you guys don't. Man. Okay, get the Kensington app now. Download it and blow the machine up here, whatever. But go to our Kensington app app, and you click on it. And it says take the test. It's a 90-day tithe test. This is not a campaign. Nobody's going to call you to see if you did this or not. If you do this, you will be contacted. But there's a 90-day uh, adventure where you can try this for 90 days. And if you don't like how God moved in your life, you can give it back. And we've done this two, two other times in the history of our church. You say, why are we doing this? Robert Morris would say, we're not doing this because God needs you to give. God wants you to be blessed. That's that's the whole principle of what I've experienced with my mom and dad and all these years together here. So you can click on that. It's a, it's a 90-day tithe test. You click on it and learn more and it'll walk you through the steps and the details. We're hoping... Hundreds of people will go. Man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the test. I'm going to. It, there's going to be a, a a connection of faith and math. And I wanted to, uh, as, as you look at that, so you can, it, it's to. Uh, there are really three steps. And the first one, I don't even. Part of me doesn't even want to mention it, but it says, is if you're doing nothing, then start doing something." Which I'd love to say, if you're doing nothing, start tithing. Do it now. Figure out. Do do the faith and uh, the f- math together, and figure out what it looks like. But I'd love for you to do something for sure. Secondly, if you're doing something, then start tithing. Take the test and see if God enriches your life. See if there's more peace and health and purpose. And that's going to be the three-month tithe challenge. You're going to start on April 1st. I think some of you are going to, a lot of you are going to do it today because it's just, it's the way you were meant to live. Some of you, you're thinking of other things too. What are the things I need to put first in my life? So we've set up an easy way for you to start this. You just go on the website, and it'll show you, show you the direction you need to go in. And I will say this. The issue of tithing is never about the dollars. It's always about devotion. It's always about what comes first. So if you try this God-centered money approach, and 90 days, and you think it's a joke, we'll give you your money back. I promise you. If you, if you, go through the, if you follow your P's and Q's on the directions. Now, if you're just kind of throwing cash in at the end and there's no register of you, and you're like, hey, I gave all this money and my life stinks, yeah. Yeah, whatever, okay. (laughs) But we believe this so strongly that this is the way to freedom. This is what we experience when we live the way God made us to live. To say, because when I look at you, you know what I want to say? I want to say there are thousands of Chubb and Marge Andrews at Kensington that are just living the life of faith and movement full of freedom. Thirdly, if you're tithing, then I want to challenge you to say, God, how can I be more generous with what you've given me? Because where did we begin this day? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know where my heart is today? St. Joe's Mercy Pontiac Hospital, room 403. That's where I wish I was right now, holding my new baby granddaughter. It's amazing, isn't it? And... For those of you who know me, you know it's true. For as long as I have life and breath, I'm going to lay my life down for her. I'm going to give everything I have for her. Because that's Paul and I know we've been called to invest in our grandkids. Not for the result, but because we're called to do that. It's how we were made. And I would love it if you leave here today going, I am going to live by the first things. I'm going to, for some of you young men and women who are wanting to follow Christ, say, I am gonna, I'm going to follow God's plan for sexual purity until God brings me the man or woman that he wants me to marry. Just Because it's the way you were made. So live that way. Take this test. Take this challenge. And let's see what God does. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And as we sing this final song, I want it to be a, a reflection song of, of who really has your life. Because I want to say, what did Jesus do for us? He gave us Everything. He gave us his heart. He didn't tithe it. He gave it all so that we could be in relationship with him. So Lord, thank you for this unbelievable group of people. So fun to be here today and celebrate life and my great day and knowing that you've made us for so much more. Lord, would you do immeasurably more than people in this room could ask or imagine to live the best life that you intended for them, the blessed life, which is trusting you and living an adventure with you and releasing and living with open hands. Do this now among us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.